identified by others. What you may or may not know is that whatever your name currently is, that was not the first name that you had. As you may be aware, I teach child development and parenting, and in that class we go through the stages of pregnancy. I tell the students during that time what their first name was. It's the same for everyone, and it was not given to you by your parents. It was given to you by science. When you were conceived, you were given the very adorable name, Zygote. There he is. Adorable, beautiful baby Zygote. Isn't he cute? From there, you moved on to the embryonic stage of development and were renamed Embryo, and then to the fetal stage and renamed Fetus, before finally being born and having whichever name your family selected that seemed fitting at the time bestowed upon you. So no matter how much you may dislike your name, we got another slide, there we go. <clears throat> no matter how much you may dislike your name, you can take a moment to be thankful that you are not forever known as Zygote. Just as you had several names, Jesus has several names, and we are presented with them throughout Scripture, many of them right here in John, and his names are arguably more meaningful than yours. The text for today is from John 1, verses 29 through 34, and it says, The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him, and he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who ranks before me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness, I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and borne witness that this is the Son of God. The Apostle John presents this information to us. He tells us this information about his friend, Jesus. This is not an uncommon way to get to know someone. A new person pops up in the church or in the community, and it's only natural to ask questions about them. I've been asked countless questions about Alex Caldwell since he and his wife started coming here a few months ago. Who is he? Where do they live? Is it true that they moved into the Keeler's place? If you were to ask me, I would tell you he's a great guy and you can take my word for it. Likewise, we could do the, choose to do the same with the Apostle John. We could take his word on the Lamb of God as to whether or not he truly is who he claimed to be. But perhaps you don't know me that well. Perhaps I don't seem that trustworthy, and you don't have to take my word for it because I don't have the clout necessary to convince you that Alex is a good guy. If I sense that hesitance in you, I might help you get to know him better by leading you to someone else to verify his identity that you might be more willing to trust. If I told you you don't have to take my word for it, Garrett says, this guy's awesome. That might help sway you, or not, depending on how much you trust Garrett. This is the situation that we have laid out in this passage. The Apostle John is not only writing this letter to tell us about Jesus from his perspective, but he's relaying what John the Baptist had to say about Jesus. John the Baptist was a pretty well-known and well-respected dude. 
who had been going around and preaching of one who had come to save the world. He'd been sharing that information with people and baptizing them in order to cleanse them in preparation for the arrival of this man whose sandals he was not fit to tie. People believe John the Baptist, and the Apostle John takes this moment to extend that trustworthiness over his recounting of the life of Jesus, as if to say, don't just take my word for it, this is what John the Baptist said. Now, to specify, this was just a comparison. I in no way believe that Alex is akin to the second coming of Christ. He's a good guy, you should get to know him, but he is not the Lamb of God. I also do not presume to put myself on the same level as the Apostle John, and even though Garrett might sometimes like to believe that he's a wild man who can live in the woods eating locusts, I think it's safe to say he is not John the Baptist. The comparison worked out nicely, but it obviously does not hold up altogether. The idea is that you can get to know a person to an extent by what other people have to say about them. You can also get to know a person by evidence of what they have done. We have that picture drawn here as well. John the Baptist tells us that he did not know that Jesus was the Messiah until he saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove and it remained on him and then he knew that Jesus was the one who would baptize with the Holy Spirit. This evidence is strengthened when it's partnered with the same recounting in Matthew, in which the Spirit descended onto Jesus and was accompanied by a voice from heaven saying, This is my Son, whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. I don't know about you, but to me that's a pretty powerful piece of evidence. It was John the Baptist, it was what the, John the Baptist had been waiting for, and he recounted it to others, and it was the evidence that helped him to get to know this Lamb of God. I can tell you with certainty that if God audibly speaks to me from heaven, that's going to get my attention, and I'm probably going to believe whatever it is he says. That's absolutely a good way to get to know something about someone. However, even as awesome as that would be, it's still not the best way to get to know a person. In verse 29, we get this name, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. There are really two people represented in that phrase. Jesus, we've discussed at length, but it also describes us. This Lamb came for you and for me. It's by his blood that we shall be saved. In verse 34, we also get the statement that I have seen and bore witness that this is the Son of God, the Son of God. Doesn't this sound like a man we ought to get to know? Not only by watching or asking around, but through a one-on-one -on -one relationship. Last week, Garrett talked about Jesus being the Word, and he gave an awesome description from Revelation of a rider on a white horse with fiery eyes, a robe dipped in blood, and a sword coming from his mouth, whose name was the Word of God and led the armies of heaven. This week we read that Jesus received the name Lamb of God. From this name we receive a very different picture. The Lamb is used throughout the Old Testament as an element of sacrifice, whose blood atones for and covers for the sins of the followers of God. We get a picture in Exodus of a lamb being selected because of its perfection and lack of blemish. A lamb that is taken aside and held for a period of time before being killed and bled so that the Hebrews could be spared. 
This is a direct correlation to the Jesus that we know. Jesus is not only a mighty warrior, but also a willing sacrifice, one without blemish who allowed himself to be taken and held and eventually killed so that his blood might spare us all. But Jesus is not just a lamb. He's the lamb of God, not only a blemish-free facade, but sin-free throughout. His covering of sin did not only last for a night, but for all eternity. This image of God is much more approachable. Last week, Garrett said that the imagery from Revelation about the Word of God was powerful and made him feel safe. That's true for me as well. However, as safe as that imagery being on my side makes me feel, it's not necessarily a Lord that I feel like I could approach and get to know. The imagery of God as the Lamb of God is that of a mighty man who has allowed himself to be captured and brought low. A man who will allow himself to be killed in my place. This is a loving and sacrificial man that not only can I get to know, but I want to. I want to run to him and tell him that I'm not worthy. I want to thank him with more than my words are capable of. I'm even inclined sometimes to feel sorry for him and wonder why he would allow himself to be treated this way. It is that inclination that also causes me to continue seeking out a relationship and getting to know him. This is no easy task. Jesus is a complicated man. Jesus is a complicated God. Whereas I am really quite simple and can come to be known by a friend in a variety of interactions, I believe that when I die or when Christ returns, I will be surprised at how little I have actually gotten to know about him. However, that's no reason to not work at it. I already know enough about him to know that the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world is a man worth knowing and a God worth worshiping. I came to Christ a little bit later than many, and I've really felt like I've had to work at catching up on knowing who he is. The beautiful part is the Lamb does not care. He loves me as I am and helps me get to where I need to be. There's a lot we can take from this passage about who Jesus is, as well as about how we can get to know him better. We can believe what the apostles had to say. They were good guys, smart guys, and spent time with Jesus. We could choose to believe them. We can also believe what other people who knew Jesus had to say about him. They were his friends. They had information we don't have. We could choose to believe that. We can also believe the evidence about him, whether the voice from heaven or the miracles that he performed or the sinless life that he lived. We can even approach his throne and get to know him through a one-on-one -on -one relationship. The Lamb of God is a picture of peace and a picture of sacrifice. It is important to remember the warrior Christ who will fight for us. But it's equally important to remember the loving Jesus who wants to know us and was willing to die for us. There is nothing in this world I could possibly want more for you than for you to know this lamb and to have your sins taken away with those of the world. If ever you find yourself wondering about him, please don't let that moment pass. Talk to me. Talk to one of the staff or the elders. Talk to another believer. This is the approachable God 
the sacrificial God, the God who wants you and paid the price for you. You need to know him. Will you pray with me? Father, I thank you so much um, for this place and this time that we have to come together and to spend time getting to know you. I thank you for your son and for the many names that he had and for the meaning behind each of those names. Father, I thank you for the mighty warrior who will fight for us, but I thank you also for the lamb who will die for us, for the sacrifice that he made that we could all come into a right relationship with you. Lord, I ask that you help us to remember that sacrifice and that you help us to remember that name and that you would lead us each and every day into coming into that one-on-one relationship with you to be more than just a distant God who we hold at arm's length, but to be a God that we have a deep and meaningful relationship with. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.